to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by the SATC Solutions Center. You can connect with us on Instagram or Twitter where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. For more information, including our email, visit us online at satcsolutions.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Bridging Chicago on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bridging Chicago. We're so happy you're joining us again. Just a reminder, we do have a new website, so you can visit www.bridgingchicago.com where you can listen to all this season's podcasts as well as catch up on all our past seasons and get some great insight from our leaders throughout the Chicago region. Today we have with us Tony Escobar and Tony is with Thrivent Financial and they have a really cool mission that I'm really happy for Tony to share with all of you. Um, And so Tony, thanks for you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for letting me be on here, Nathan. Yeah, as always, well, not as always, but as recent, we are recording remotely. So, you know, we're doing our best here to make the sound quality as good as possible, but we are recording using our own equipment. So Tony is safely, I assume, working from home um, and I am safely in the studio. So we are well more than six feet apart. (laughs) Yes, Yes, nice and safe. Yes. so Tony, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, I actually have known Tony for quite a few years. He is uh, he's a great person. I really enjoy getting a chance to talk to him when I can. And so I'm really excited to have him share with all of you. And Tony, why don't you start with kind of giving a little introduction to yourself and sort of where you grew up and how that was for you? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and yeah, thanks. It's a great, uh, great to be here with you, Nathan, and I appreciate your kind words. And uh, I would, I would all obviously say the same back about you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm a Chicago native. I, I grew up, um, born and, and raised in Chicago. My family, uh, they raised us on the south side of Chicago, and we've lived there for you know most of my early childhood. And then I also spent some time up in the Northwest suburbs where I graduated high school, but you know now I, um, I I professionally work as a financial um, advisor. I, I don't like that phrase. I feel like it has a lot of baggage, but I think it's the one that's the most accessible to people. But uh, I work for an organization called Thrivent, and I'm a financial planner, financial uh, uh, professional with Thrivent. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But personally, my wife and I. Uh, we have been married for a, a nice, ripe 17 years, and we have uh, three kids, and uh, and we got a we didn't get a COVID dog, but we got a Christmas dog. We we gave into that. So three kids, uh, 10 years old, uh, seven and four, and uh, and a puppy. So yeah, that's a little bit about me personally. Yeah, I got to ask you, what exactly is a Christmas dog? Because that's really intriguing. <laughs> Well, the Christmas dog is, you know, the kids begging for a, a dog for many, many years and us saying, okay, fine, we'll get it for you for Christmas if you clean your room and do all the other things. <laughs> so uh, it just ended up being, you know, that was the that was the main major Christmas gift that we got for the kids this year uh, was a puppy. Nice. Well, it's a good time to have a puppy because you have plenty of time to train and to have the patience to deal with 
puppyhood. Yeah, and the dog, the dog life couldn't be better nowadays with everyone being home. You know, like dogs are loving this, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> They're going to have a little separation anxiety when hopefully the, the world opens up a little more. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tony, you mentioned you grew up here in Chicago. Can you tell – I know Chicago is big on neighborhoods. People um, love to talk about their neighborhoods. Can you tell us a little bit about your neighborhood or, or what your little slice of Chicago was like? Yeah, I mean, I've, I I would say I'm a pretty classic Chicago style person. You know, I've grown up in, in you know, growing up in the South Side. I grew up uh, in a neighborhood close to um, like a park is usually how you would identify. Like I grew up by Marquette Park and people say, oh, yeah, I know where that's at. But, you know, I grew up there. It was like 63rd and California was the area. And so. Um, so I had a lot of my roots there and, you know, growing up, a you know, like a White Sox fan and all that kind of stuff. Uh, my parents originally were from, uh, had grown up in Pilsen, which is, you know, the near South side or near West side. Maybe you can think of it that way. And, um, and then Brooke and I, when, you know, we've lived in all kinds of different places in Chicago. We've lived in Pilsen, we've lived in Bridgeport, lived in Logan square, you know, so, so we've. We've seen, you know, both sides of, of town and worked on both sides of town and worked on the west side. And and so, um, you know, Chicago is a great – it was interesting even like seeing recently uh, um, articles being posted about Chicago still being one of the most visitable cities uh, being ranked for that. I can't remember what publication it was, but I think it's true. Like Chicago is a great place and um, even in this era where it's not like it normally is, uh, there's, a, there's a robust, rugged charm about Chicago um, that I think is different from other cities in in America. So, um, and, but there's still a lot of things to get grumpy about (laughs) Chicago, but, uh, but it's been, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, kind of born and raised here and and, and have seen a lot of different sides of the city. You know, something else too, like, you know, part of my work that I um, have always identified with as I, as I progressed as a professional was seeing the different faces of Chicago and, and particularly not just in Chicago, but I think you see this in a lot of cities um, in, in America, you know, kind of a tale of two cities, as it were, you know, like there's people that will view their city uh, like a playground. You know, they, they, they have enough privilege, they have enough resources to really enjoy the city. It's a place they go literally to play and have fun and, and enjoy it. And whereas there are also people in the city that view it more like their battleground, you know, where they see just a different side of the city. They don't, they don't enjoy the city the same way because the city, you know, is, is hard on them. It, it's, 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 uh, it's just a different perspective. And so um, I, I've seen that in my work, you know, like I, you know, before working in the, in the, uh, within Thriving as a financial planner, I worked in um, nonprofit organizations and ministries and churches and, and literally seeing both those worlds you know, overlapping, you know, uh, on one side of the street and just crossing the street and then seeing those two worlds mix. So it's just a fascinating thing. Like when you study how cities work and when you study how people interact in their cities and, and what their perspective is and, and how they celebrate it or how they mourn it. Um, Chicago, I think, is one of those classic type of cities. Yeah, I always tell people it is not uh, always super easy to live in Chicago just because there is a lot that happens here. I think being kind of the crossroads of the Midwest and the biggest city in the Midwest, it can be kind of tough, but I think it's well worth it to to put in the work to make it a city that just really thrives for everyone. And I, I know it strives to be a good city for all its inhabitants and its uh, visitors. Um, and so, you know, I'm, 
I'm happy that there's so many people around the city, both working in uh, in the government and nonprofit sector, who are really working hard to make sure we can be the best city that we can for all of the people um, that live here. Yeah, uh, Tony, um, you mentioned growing up near Market Park. Uh, usually, when people hear Southside, they think of certain things. They think of a certain sort of way that the South Side is, or, or you know, just to put it bluntly, kind of think of crime or think of um, gangs and, and all this. So, can you share about for you what what does the South Side mean, and, and what is the South Side like for people who haven't actually been there but just hear about it in the news? Yeah, well, that is interesting. You know, the South Side is does have a different feel than, you know, the north side, certain parts of the north side and, you know, certain parts of the west side. Mm-hmm. You know, there's when you say that you're from Chicago, again, that can mean a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. You know, the south side when I was growing up um, was very blue collar, very working class, very pragmatic. And it still had a little bit of a suburban feel. And I think in some parts of the South Side, depending on where you go, and there's, the South Side is very large in the city, um, it has a suburban type feel to it. But there are parts of, of, of the South Side that have been largely disinvested. And so that's, I think, where you get a lot of this, this idea that the South Side is just a really hard place to live. Um, but I would say that I learned my, <laughs> my street smarts from being, from growing up in, you know, like the, like the South side. And what I mean by that is not like I'm going out and like, you know, uh, picking fights or kind of dodging <laughs> shady situations. But I think in terms of like, there's a, there's an element in life where you can be book smart and you can, you can, um, you can know ab- about things from a technical standpoint, but you still got to get some wisdom. You know, you still got to know how people are. And I think the, the kind of the culture and the mindset of, of my experience in the South side kind of prepared me to have that, a little bit of that. Right. So that way I, I, I know how people, I, I feel like I know people in a certain way, or at least I can kind of sit, sense or or uh, be prepared for things because you just felt like you got that. You know, there's a kind of a practical mindset that you got from the South Side. Um, yeah. And I would say also there's far less transience in the South Side than there is in like the North Side. Uh, people have, people stay longer there. They've lived there in some ways longer. And I think there's, there's certain pockets of the North Side that are like that as well. But, uh, but there's not as much movement. So I think you have, much more of this established family, like, you know, like, you know, people. So the South side, as big as it is, I think it still kind of, kind of has this, I don't know, call it a small town feel where you can say, Hey, you know, I grew up in this neighborhood. Oh, Hey, did you go to school at so-and-so? Or, Hey, do you remember this spot over here? And that's, again, that's kind of like that, that charm of, of growing up in a city like Chicago where it's, it is big, but there's a certain smallness to it, especially depending on where you, where you grew up. Um, so actually it's funny. I have a, I just got invited to this Facebook group not, not too long ago of, of the of the elementary school that I went to, and all these people kind of doing the same thing. Like, hey, do you guys remember this and this this spot over here? And and I, most of these people I've never met before, but we all have like this shared kinship. But yeah, we grew up in this neighborhood, and and, and we remember those things. Um, but the neighborhood is a lot. You know, those neighborhoods are, they're different now. So there's a lot of changes that have happened, and and there was and even even in the in the in the block that I grew up on, um, it did have a uh, a change, you know, in terms of like just the, um, the, the demographics of it and, the, um, you know, the, not just like the cultural demographics, but even like the social economic demographics, it just, and, and, and you definitely saw a shift, like things got harder. It, it wasn't as safe. You know, there was, 
a lot more foreclosures that started happening. And then that's when we left, like we moved. Uh, and that's when we moved out to the suburbs for a while. Um, so um, love, yeah, I love the city, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting. So I think that's kind of some of the things that I took away and, and, and what kind of shaped me growing up. Yeah. And one of the things that I, um, I read about you and your, and your bio stuff leading into this that I've found was really interesting. And this is really dealing more with Thrivent, um, what you do now. And I, I want to touch on that um, here in a bit, but I w- I'd like you to kind of talk about this for you and your family personally first is this idea of having a mission. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I love that uh, Thrivent has a mission that's more than just doing um, financial work, but can you tell me about your family mission and sort of your mission for yourself? Because I feel like with having grown up in a big city, but a small community, I feel like that must be really important to you and, and sort of what makes your family work and, and how you interact with each other and with other people. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think a big part of that, you know, the, the fact that I think in terms of like a mission or a purpose, it does go back to my own upbringing, my family. I think also the the fact that faith was a part of our, of our family and, and some of the struggles that my mom and dad overcame and, and how, you know, the, the, the kind of community that we we're a part of uh, helped to bring us through that. And it always became the kind of thing that I wanted to extend to others. And I wanted to be able to use my story to, to be, uh, beneficial and valuable to other people. And so, you know, that also continues on with my own faith uh, story and, and how we continue to operate that way. Um, but, you know, for me, the faith part is is a big part of that. But frankly, like mission and purpose, that's that's not tied to like a faith or religion. I think that's just how we, we're at as human beings. So no matter what perspective you come from, um, I think having a sense of purpose is one of the things that we lack the most of in life. Like the sense of purpose just provides um, that the, the kind of the foundation for your for your your thoughts, your your behaviors, um, the decisions that you make, the way that you handle your money, you know, all this stuff really kind of comes back to like the why. Like why do I why do I want to do this? Like what's 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 it for? To what end? Right. So our family, we try to operate this way. We're not perfect. I mean, like we, you know, we for the most part every day, like I'm just doing dishes and laundry and shuttling kids back and forth and stuff, and that it doesn't seem very purposeful or missional, but I think what we're trying to do is in our, in our family, one of the things that we like, a, like a phrase that we have is, uh, is legacy. You know, what, what are we doing that's lasting, that, that, that stays, that impacts, that shapes. And how do we help our kids to, to, to learn about that, to do things that are, um, that are intentional, to do things that, um, that show compassion, that show cur- uh, courage um, in a way that makes the world a better place. So that way it's not just about us, you know, and I think when we you know, start talking more about the work, the kind of work that I do, you know, it definitely spills into like the money conversation. You know, when you think about what is our world value, you know, we value um, consumption, you know, we, we value achievement. Uh, and a lot of times those things are inward and self-focused and there's really nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with that per se. I think it's perfectly fine to achieve and to, and to grow and to build things and to, you know, to, and to, and to have resources. But I think what I would say is what is the opportunity to say, okay, well then what more behind that? Right. One of the, one of the things that, one of the phrases that we use when we, with planning with people is that we talk about um, having um, more transformation above transactions. Uh, and I think transformation goes down to like, yeah, like what's, what's in life for you right now that 
is really important to you that's bigger than you, uh, that lasts longer than you? And how can you shape that and, and, and leave a footprint and a stamp while still enjoying and, and being, you know, the kind of person that you want to be now? But, you know, I think we just can see a little bit beyond ourselves. And that's that's what we're trying to be about, well, as a family and certainly, you know, as in our practice, our team practice you know, professionally. Um, and that's also what resonates what, what resonated with me when I first started working for the organization of Thrive that I work for is because kind of you, this idea of resources and, 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 and our money and all those things from that lens of purpose and mission. Um, because again, like we're only here for, for so long on this earth, you know, what, what can we be about that's bigger than us, right? So that's, that's what's behind it for us. Can you tell me uh, something that makes that really difficult day to day? Like what, what are the things that sort of, can keep you from attaining that or, or, you know, getting to where you want to be with that? Yeah. I'd say sometimes what might make it difficult is a lack of identification with your story. You know, like if, 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 or even like an understanding of your backstory, because I think sometimes we, we come up and we say, well, I have a story that was really bad and, you know, I had to overcome that, or I have a story that was lame and I don't feel like I have anything interesting but I think our story first gives us a framework for like, okay, like where did you come from and, and, and what does that mean for where you can go and what kind of problems in the world you want to solve and the kind of things that you really want to be about. So I think first and foremost, it's really just kind of like your, your own personal identity. Like, who are you? Where'd you come from? And what does that mean? And then how can you, how can you convert that or translate that into a meaningful going forward story? You know, so I think that's, that's a first step. Um, and I think another step is just, we do have a drag in life to, uh, and, and some of it is like a drag for scarcity or a drag for survival where the world gives us a message of like, hey, like you need to be this way. And this is what it means to really have meaning in your life. And you got to have all this stuff. And so I think some of that like that consumption mindset or some of those things really kind of it kind of makes our, our lives a little more, like I said, tr- maybe transactional and not transformational in the sense. We're like, we don't we don't have to do all those things like we can we can live a life that we want. Like we can choose to go a pathway that is not like the the spoon fed thing that, you know, the, um, I'm not, I don't want to like make something like this, like the system or like the, 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 the man, but you know, this idea that like, there's a, there's a way that people um, kind of get into these like sacred cows of life that things always have to be this way. And so then we kind of get stuck. Like, no, like you can, you can carve out a path for yourself. You can, you can do things and, 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 and experience a meaningful kind of a mission in life that uh, that's on, you know, your terms, but that also is still, again, like adding value to the world around you. So I think those would be two things, you know, is like not, not having, not having reflected enough on your own personal story to kind of find out where you're at and where you're going. And then also just being able to step outside of the, the convention to be able to say, okay, like what, what can I be about? You know, like what, what does this look like for me? Yeah. Um, well, one of the ways that you do that is obviously through resources. And so I know the work that Thriven is doing is helping people sort of leverage their own resources or maybe rethink the way that they use those. And so share with me about um, what you do and what your organization does and sort of how uh, it's seeing it's helping people rather um, kind of reassess what's important in life. Yeah, cool. So I have to take a quick pause here because I got to do some quick disclosures. It's kind of a legal thing that I got to do. So I am a I am a registered representative with Thrivent uh, Investment Management, which is a subsidiary of Thrivent. 
financial. Um, the views that are on this podcast that I'm sharing, they're, they're mine. Uh, they may not necessarily be what Thrivent uh, has in terms of its views. Um, and the things that I'm going to share about right now, ideas, strategies, anything that comes up, um, these are things that are just general in nature. Uh, definitely would encourage you if, if, if anything that I say sticks out and you're curious about, uh, go back and talk to maybe your own financial professional, your own maybe attorney, uh, tax preparer, CPA, uh, so that way you can vet that on your own. So just want to make sure I share that uh, that disclosure before we go any further. Um, but yeah, so a little bit more about, let's talk about Thrivent and the work that I do. Uh, so Thrivent, we're a unique organization. We're um, a, uh, uh, a 501c8 not-for-profit financial company. So that uh, can cause people to kind of double take and like, what does that mean? Well, uh, we actually offer five areas of service to people that we serve. So we do advice, so financial guidance, financial planning, strategy, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and then we also offer um, uh, investments. We offer insurance. Uh, we have a credit union, so we do some banking. And finally, we have a major focus on uh generosity and charitable giving and, and just, you know, thinking about uh, being outward focused. And so, you know, one big part of Thriving is, you know, we operate as a, we call it a not-for-profit, even though we make money, we're a Fortune 300 company. Uh, but a lot of the, a lot of the dollars that we get from those, uh, from those services actually aren't, we don't pay corporate taxes on those. Instead, it goes to our clients, what we call members, because we're privately owned by our members, uh, for them to be able to use those resources in their in their community, in their world. And we have some programs that allow people to be able to turn those dollars into, into action and, and impact uh, activities and experiences. Uh, but then, of course, we also have some elements of our company are for-profit technically, so like our investment management, financial guidance, advice, that kind of stuff. Um, so I work for a team. Uh, I, I help co-lead a team. Um, I... I, I Traditionally, I said out of Chicago, but we're we're a remote team now, uh, more than ever. As I'm sure a lot of you know offices and businesses are now, where we we really serve uh, clients all over the country now. But um, but we you know we help uh, people with what we call purpose planning, and so we do um, financial planning with people to help them first identify you know what is your vision right going back to that story what's your vision what's your mission. And then how do we create a game plan for you to accomplish that? And sometimes that might be a near-term strategy or near-term vision of, hey, I, I want to invest more myself. I want to, maybe I want to start a business or I want to start a nonprofit or I want to go to school or I want to start a family or, or whatever it might be. How do we help you to have the, the cash flowing ability to do that? How do we help to set you up with the kind of system and foundation to be able to build on that mission? In addition to all the classic things that you're going to see with like financial planning, like, okay, like I got I to gotta save for retirement and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, we do that stuff too, but really for us, it's like, you know, what does it look like for you to have, uh, you know, articulate this kind of a mission and how can we create a customizable plan around that? Uh, so I find the most value, right? Or I get the most excited when I work with people who have that sense in them, right? Because you can go anywhere, you can find any number of people that will manage your money and and do all this kind of stuff for you that you would with the, you know, financial services, we'll call it like that real kind of nerdy term. But we like working with people who are like, yeah, I, I want to be about something. I, I want to be more dynamic with the way that I, I use my money. I want to know how it can work so that way it can, so I can make an impact, right, in the world around me. So those are like our most ideal people, people who are, who are, who are values-driven, mission-minded, faith-forward, um, creative, energetic. I mean, that's for us, you know, we, we really want to help to shape those, those, those folks and their, 
resource mindset because for us again it goes back to the kind of impact that we can create in the world yeah and so is that a lot about creating habits breaking habits or just rethinking things or or what are some maybe some of the the tools that you guys use to help people do that because you know for most of our lives and you know what we see in the world around us like you said it is about achieving it's about going out and getting certain things and so to have a different mindset or to to want something different can be difficult for people to understand. And so uh, if, if people are looking to say, okay, you know, I want to try and, and be better with my resources, um, you know, are there things that make that really difficult that, that you see or, um, or is it just about making that decision? No, you're right. Yes, I would say yes to all your questions. Uh, it is a mix of <laughs> Um, kind of going back to the story, like, you know, what's your money story? How did you think about it growing up? What's re- what's good from that? You know, like what's redeemable from that that we can use, but also maybe what does need to be transformed, you know, because we have some of the times we have these really uh, strong uh, money of, of money of origin stories, as we call it. And sometimes we have pretty, yeah. pretty weak ones. But um, we start with some of those things. If, and if that's an issue, like how do we help you to, to think differently, to have a different kind of a perspective um, and and we're not trying to have these complete like matrix mindset mindset shifts all the time, but for some people, it, it, we, we do have to do more of that work, right? Just, just to help you kind of have a, have a different perspective or a different view on it. Um, what makes it hard, I think, in, in some of these cases is that we, we, we have a lack of, of really quality education when it comes to how money works. You know, when you think about it, like we don't spend a lot of time in school talking about it. I remember like when I was growing up, I think there was only one money education uh, besides learning how to count money as like a first grader. I think there's only one like financial education experience that I had when I was like in seventh grade and my social studies teacher had us do a project about buying stocks and that was it. And, and mm. so, you know, many people that we talk to, they just don't grow up knowing how money works and their families didn't really know about that either. And, and sometimes we're talking about people that come from pretty decent means that just, don't know how their money works. Yeah, that's a big barrier, right? So there's an educational component there. There's a, a knowledge component there, and I think then from there also it's a trust factor. Uh, we're in a world where, especially people on my side of the table, haven't always been trustworthy. We haven't always had the best interest of mind for others. We've been very transactional in many ways, and that causes people to to lack trust in this kind of work when people really need it the most and they need good quality help. So who do you turn to? How do you know where to go? And so very often people will like, they'll, they'll delay adulting because they don't want to have to figure it all out because it seems like it's a lot of work and it seems like it might burn them, you know, if they get a bad relationship because they heard someone had a bad experience. And so it ends up just kind of stuffing some of these conversations longer and then they either try to figure it out on their own and, and make a lot of mistakes or maybe they kind of settle for more simplified things where you know, they say, hey, I'm just going to like put this money here or do whatever this here. And it's just going to be real, real simple. But, you know, they end up maybe losing out on some opportunities that could help them grow and expand and be more dynamic. So it's another part of it, too, is like that that trust factor creates disruption from people. Um, and I think a third thing certainly would be just our culture can tend to be, you know, like um, helping people to think about their money as a as an end in itself and not as a tool. So then you look at how you approach your career, you look at how you approach the way that you save or, or build. And for some people that becomes their own um, 
sense of self-worth. Like if they don't do things in a certain way, then it, uh, then it, that it invalidates who they are. And I think that's, again, that kind of goes back to some mindset things there too, that we can help people think differently about the purpose of our, our resources. Is it a, is it the end of itself or, or is it help to think of it more like a tool towards, um, other, uh, other ends, other purposes, right? So those are things that we see pretty often that we try to address with people. Yeah. Working in the legal field, I definitely relate to what you were saying as far as building that trust because, uh, lawyers have not historically been known for being very open, honest and trustworthy. And so, you know, working here, I am lucky to work for a group of people who really want to be that they want to be trustworthy for people. Um, but you do have to sort of break down those barriers and say, no, we're here to help you. We're here to make sure that the right thing happens and that, you know, you end up on the good side of the law. And for me, you know, thinking about financial planners, um, you know, one of the things that, that I think about is, you know, they, they want to make money too. Everyone works to make money. And so, you know, if, if they're making money off of my money, is that, right? Is that good? Is that, you know, how do I trust someone who's doing that? And so what I'm hearing from you is just that it's not about when you make it so that it's not about money, obviously on some level it is because that's what you're dealing with. But when you make it about something bigger, when you make it about a mission, a goal, you know, um, what your personal values and beliefs are, I think that, uh, that it is really, it is really encouraging to hear that, you know, it, it, it can be about more than just nickels and dimes. Yeah. And I mean, you're right too. So I, it is, it is important to, to call out the fact that, yeah, I still have to feed my family. Right. Yeah. But I think what, what you're getting at too, is this idea that even in the legal field or any other similar fields, the, the transparency is really important for that. Right. Like, so how is it that we make money? How is it that, you know, we build a practice. How, how, how are we giving advice and are there conflicts of interest in that? It's important for you as a consumer to know, like, yeah, like, how are you going to work with me? And if we work together, what does that mean? Are you going to give me advice that's in my absolute best interest? Or are you only going to kind of give me advice or work with me if it benefits you more, like benefiting the advisor more? And, you know, in terms of like trends these days, that is, that's a good thing that that's happening, that people are, are much more, um, scrupulous about like, Hey, like, tell me how, how would we work together? And, and when you're looking for this kind of a relationship, whether it's a, these are like, we call these fiduciary relationships, right? They exist in financial planners, they exist in, in attorneys and, and tax people, right? The idea is that, do you have my best interest in mind all the time and, 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 and not, um, just doing things for your own benefit. You want to ask those kind of tough questions, like, how do you get paid? Like, you know, what, what are your sources of, 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 uh, of income and, and how does that, you know, how does that play into the kind of work that we do together? So, um, I would say that from a trust building standpoint, if someone is not transparent with you about those things, you might want to start walking the other way. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously we're all living in a world that's different than anything that we've seen before, at least in, I guess I should say my time, which I don't know if people older than me have lived through this, but this is something completely new for most of us and doing life this way. Well, we've been, you know, and under the, not under a complete stay at home order anymore, but just sort of the stay at home as much as you can, keep yourself distance as much as you can, has changed the way that we do everything, life, work, friends, family, everything. Um, 
But can you tell me from your industry, from your perspective, uh, what has changed about what you do? And then maybe some things that have actually you've been able to thrive in, um, not just with Thrivent, but maybe even in your home with the current uh, landscape of the world. Yeah, well, whew, man, there's been so many changes and there already were a lot of changes happening leading into this year. Mm. You know, one of the things that um, was happening in our industry, kind of going back to the stuff we just talked about before this question was um, what does it look like for people to, to have access to advice uh, in the least conflict of interest way possible? So you would see these trends of like, yeah, like, Let's go develop more artificial intelligence. Let's go develop more digital ways of getting advice to make it easy for people to get advice without having the conflicts of interest of like a human being doing stuff. The challenge of that, though, is because the the, um, the convenience and the simplicity of, of, of the technology still doesn't satisfy the complexity of what life brings. So you still need that human interaction, that touch. But what's happening is this, this trend is that people are moving more and more towards uh towards simplicity towards doing everything you know like through an app or through some kind of a a robo advice experience and those have their strengths they're good but they still will lack some of the dynamic uh nature of of what it takes to be able to work with people so what i see happening though is that people say okay given that let's let's say they acknowledge the fact that they do need to work with someone professionally i think gone are the days where you just kind of look up the phone book right whatever those used to, to be and you go down the street to the local office or the bank and you sit across the desk from a guy or a gal in a suit and tie and hand over, hand over your money. We're, we're beyond that now. And that, that was already happening. But I think what's happening now is that people are saying, hey, look, I'm going to find a quality relationship no matter where it is. It, that might be across the country. It might be in a completely different state. And now that the world is, is much more accepting and much more capable to operate remotely and digitally and virtually – you see a lot of that. So I think, on, you know, on our end, you know, our team had already been focusing on doing that. Like, how do we become more remote? How do we operate? And, and like, we were, you know, not to say that we were like the, the Zoom hipsters, <laughs> but we were, you know, we were doing a lot of that before COVID. And I think that worked out really well for us because our clients and our market was already in step with that. Mm. But, but I think what we're seeing is that even like consumers and people are looking for more of like, hey, I want to, I still want to have this personal touch. I still want things to be really easy and convenient. But I don't want to just feel like I'm, I'm stuck with the local person that might not really be my style, uh, might not have the expertise that I need, uh, might not um, be the kind of the best person at what they do. So I think people are looking to platforms like Instagram and even like LinkedIn or other other sources where people are trying to find information about people who are like who are good at what they do. They're going to their friends and say, hey, like who have you worked with? And, you know, no matter where they're at, and, I, and I'll, I'll connect with them that way. So I think this new era has made it easier for people to find more quality people. Um, and and then on my end, you know, people who like like in our practices, those practices are going to survive best when they can kind of position themselves as being available and accessible. So in our case, you know, we actually uh, doubled the amount of states that were licensed to to serve people in. So that's pretty cool. Right. So like we have more of a national office now and not just like a local Chicago or a Midwest office, but it still comes with, you know, like, Hey, we still got to figure out what's the best way to deliver a, a meaningful experience and, 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 and do it in a remote way uh, where people can still have that, that touch with us. So um, that's a, that's a change that's been for us. I think that's been good for us. I'm excited about it. I think that it, it forces us now to, uh, to be 
uh, more creative and, um, and and be better at what we do. Because if we're putting ourselves out there and people are seeing it, uh, like in this case, like I'm talking about my practice here on this podcast, uh-huh. I want to make sure that we're like the absolute best because people will have questions about it, you know? So it's, yeah. been, it's, it's been good for us in that, in that way. That's great. Um, I, I want to go back to what you mentioned earlier um, when you were uh, young in school and you were saying, you know, you didn't get much financial training or you didn't really deal with money very much in school. And so one of the things that we know is obviously the younger that you start saving, the better it is. The younger in your career that you do your 401k, the better off you are. But um, for people who aren't sure where to start, can you talk about some some good practices to do day to day for, uh, especially for young people who, who want to start being wise with their money um, and maybe just practical things that we can do? Yeah, for sure. Well, definitely um, we're in an era where like YouTube Academy is like the best, one of the best ways to start really getting a head start, but there's a lot of content out there, right? Uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's, there's a lot of places where you can start um, uh, to, to, to create at least your education track. If you don't know anybody yet to, to teach you on some things, sometimes it might be best just to go out there and, and, and listen to some good podcasts. You know, there's one that I think is, is, uh, is pretty decent. It's called Wealth Labs. Um, it's a great kind of a, like a mindset perspective uh, podcast that's out there. Uh, there's books that you can read that get you going. But I would say first and foremost is like start learning about your, your money story and about how money works. Just learn about that. Learn how, you know, you mentioned, you know, like, yeah, when you start early and what is this, what is this principle of like how money compounds and interest over time, start at least having a basic knowledge of that stuff, because that helps you to understand why and how certain things work and why they're important to have. Um, And then I think the next step would be is that if you can do this on your own, otherwise, you know, uh, find a trusted resource, like a, like, like a financial professional or a tax person or like, your uncle Ned, who's good at this kind of stuff, like <laughs> someone that can help you organize your cash flow from start from top to bottom. Like as money's coming in, how do I set up uh, a, a, an automated behavior that way? Um, the money does your money does for you, for you what you create it to do for you. Rather than living on accident, you can live on purpose. So like, how do you you know based on your mission and your goals and your and your own values, how then do you create a system that says, okay, now I'm going to automatically um, I'm going to automate the way that my money flows, like in my mm. checking account, my, you know, do I need to have like a fixed checking account for all my fixed stuff, including like how I pay off my loans and how I build my savings and how I do my investments. And then how do I, do I maybe need like another account on the side just for my, like my spending. So that way I don't have to worry about the fixed stuff that's there. It's done. I've automated it. I've prioritized those things. And then everything else is just kind of like my little virtual wallet, you know, for groceries and going out to eat and whatever it might be. So creating that initial system, um, I think the next thing you want to do is you do want to you want to establish your own staying power. Like you need to have um, reserves. You have to build cash to have so that way you don't keep going into debt if you're already in debt. Uh, but to have like some kind of an automatic drip into a savings account that we like our team we like to call a flat tire fund. Like do you have enough money in the bank for for what, when those kind of things happen, like a flat tire fund or like <laughs> parking tickets or just the dumb stuff that happen right that you don't see coming, but we shouldn't be unprepared for them. Um, and then from there, certainly like, no, you know, learn about, well, how much should you be putting for long term, you know, for your, your old self? Because what you don't what we don't want to do is we don't want to show up when we're older and have like future self give us a punch in the eye. Right. Like, man, you should have been doing this. Right. Like learn about what's enough. But I think one of the things that, you know, especially in our team that we focus a lot more on now is, is 
how do you understand the impact of your near-term uh, money muscle? Where uh, as young professionals, one of the things that people struggle with the most is how do I how do I have enough cash flow to save for a house or to go back to grad school or to start a business, to start a family, to get a car or whatever these things are. We have to know what the balance is between um, how much we need for long term, but also how much we need to make available for the near term that can keep adding value and growing our ability uh, to to um, to expand that money mission. And so on that front, it might take finding someone like, hey, like, let me go find a professional that, that does that. And and you might start with some friends of yours to say, hey, like, do you know anyone that's that's good at this? Here's what, I, here's what I'm trying to do. Do you know anyone that's been able to help you with that? Uh, it might take some homework. And, and certainly, obviously, the shameless plug is we'll be glad to sit down and, and talk to you about that. But you definitely want to find someone who has the ability to show you, again, how to take your mission and your money, uh, your money mission, your goals, and put it into some kind of a, a tangible, simple, sticky, and repeatable process. So that way you can build on that from there uh, to know that you don't have to sacrifice all your money towards things that you're not going to see for 30 or 40 years but that there can still be this this kind of this balance to help you get started with the money. But like I said, I think it starts with creating this, your kind of your cash flow structure up front, how money kind of gets automated for you from, from your checking account into some immediate savings accounts. And then from there, trying to figure out what the, what the breakdown of the, how, how the rest of the money will work. And, and beyond that, like um, there's people that, you know, you can, you can learn about like how to set up like your insurances and your investments and all that stuff. But, you know, it can get pretty overwhelming because there's just there's a lot of information, a lot of conflicting information. So I would say try to try to cross reference your 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 um, your research and your studies or whatever with different viewpoints. You know, like don't just hang your head on one talking head or one podcast or one book. Um, diversify that knowledge. So that way you can start seeing, OK, well, here's some things that I've noticed. And also, like, here's my own story. And then. And then find a good mentor or, or even like a professional like we are, you know, to, to say, hey, I, I've, I've been thinking about this. Can you tell me, like, what's your philosophy on this? Is this, is this, is this add up? How would this apply to me? I mean, those, are, those can be good ways of, of getting started and, and, and starting to create some of that own, that own, that own progress for yourself uh, personally when it comes to money. That's, that's really, that's really good. Thanks for sharing that. It's uh, great advice. Um, I, I want to talk for a second about overall health because one of the things that I've learned um, in a lot of these podcasts is that a lot of these areas of health really flow into each other. And to be our, our best self, you really have to care for your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, your financial health, all of these things. And so can you share with me about uh, kind of your perspective on being healthier as an individual in all those areas, how that sort of affects what you do financially or how you see things financially is, do you see some overlap there or um, do you think that's important to, to be healthy in those other areas oh, yeah, to definitely. help your financial health? Yeah. And I guess I'll admit, I, I don't, I, I probably need to do a better job of my own personal life. <laughs> I probably eat too much like fast food and junk food and find that working well enough. But I mean, there is the merit there, you're right. And so I think when you think about um, uh, being whole, being whole, beings right like you look at your your emotional your spiritual your relational your intellectual i think we we benefit so much when we're when we're actively growing those things because they will have overlap you know like if if um if your if your mental health is really stressed and and really um uh if there's if there's pressure on that it affects how you make money decisions because 
that might cause you to have certain habits, right? And that, that affects things, right? It might, might cause you to be um, um, uh, basically paralyzed in making the right decisions because you might be carrying burdens that, that might be of guilt or other things that really just kind of paralyze you. So taking the steps to realize, like, what does it mean for me to really be a whole person? Like, to really live a, like you mentioned, like a really high quality, like a, um, a meaningful life that, that um, where you take care of, you know, your, your spirit, your mind, um, um, your physical body, because those things are all interrelated. We don't, you know, our, our body is not, our, our life is not disjointed. Like, well, you're, I'm going to have my, like, my health time over here, but I'm going to do something totally different over there. Like, all these things are connected, you know. But it definitely is true with your money. Um, and, and there's very practical ways of doing this. So, for example, um, just from a practical standpoint, um, being healthy physically um, helps you be more cost effective on your financial decisions and transactions that you might make. This often is the case with like insurances, right? So if you're out trying to get um, health insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, those things that you need to be able to protect your financial future and your, and your financial self now, if if you're not healthy, if if you smoke, if you're if you're you know if your if your body is 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 not you know kind of in, in a healthy state, you you might not be able to get those things, and they might also be really expensive. Um, so Again, this is not a way to say like like to shame people for not being to, for pursuing health, but it kind of, kind of goes to show like when we take care of ourselves, it provides other other kind of benefits. But I think more than anything, the, the having a healthy perspective on life really just gives you a better quality of life. You know, it, it helps you to be more at peace. It helps you to have more confidence um, to know that physically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, relationally, um, that you know you're taking care of yourself. I mean, like it, it just it. And I'm not a doctor. I don't have all research and studies. I'm just kind of speaking from my own experience, you know, like yeah. just to be able to have that kind of a, an approach to having a whole life, I think is huge, especially when it comes to money. Yeah. Well, Tony, it's been really, uh, really great talking to you. I think you've given us a lot to think about and a lot to process. And so I, uh, I hope that people do that and then kind of see what this means for each of them individually. Um, I've really enjoyed this. I, I know I've gotten a lot out of it, so I'm sure other people will as well. Um, I just want to make sure to give you an opportunity if you have any closing thoughts or advice for anyone, uh, anything that you want to leave with people before we um, end our time together. Yeah, no, thanks, Nathan. I, you know, I would say, um, for one, uh, don't let um, money be a monster to you. You know, don't don't let shame feel like you can't get started somewhere. And at the same time, I would say for those people who are trying to go up a level and who might be feeling stuck, um, find a mentor, find someone that can help to pour into you to, to, to expand or, or, or to, to open up that ceiling, so to speak, um, and, 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 and do it now. Like get, take advantage of this season that we're in, that COVID is not a disruption uh, in a negative sense. It could be a disruption in a positive sense to kind of move you forward and do something to make a big move. And then create a plan around that. That, that. That's, I think, one of the one of the best things that we can do when we have these major disruptions. Um, and uh, and then lastly, say if you, if you do want to check check me out, you know, I'm on Instagram. You can follow me, uh, Tony Escobar Thrivent. Um, I'll follow LinkedIn. Of course, you can look us up at Thrivent.com. Our our team uh, locally is called Compass Group, so you can look us up there. You can learn more about what we do. Great. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate your time, and we appreciate your thoughts. And uh, yeah, just thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. 
Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solution Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.